GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to this week's episode of Noiseland Arcade. I am one of your hosts, Craig WK, and with me, Sean the Arcade Phantom. Sean, great to be chatting with you about The Simpsons again. We have a uh, kind of a, a special episode to talk about. It is the Telltale Head which I feel is the most iconic Simpsons episode for early episodes. When you think Simpsons, you think the Telltale Head. Yeah, I, I would agree. I feel like this is a super iconic episode. Uh, I think that uh, uh, this was kind of an episode that was uh, uh, sort of a, a big deal, I would say. It was uh, sort of a... Well, well, we'll get into the details of the episode. Sean, when did this episode air? This episode aired on February 25th, 1990. Yeah, so uh, in an effort to be popular with some bullies, Bart saws the head off a statue of the town founder. And uh, as we see from the beginning of the episode, he gets in a little bit of trouble. A little bit. Just a sprinkle of trouble. Maybe a little bit more than a little bit. Just a, just a touch of trouble. Just a, 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 a tiny dollop of trouble. Yeah, about as much trouble as you get breaking into a house. I mean, jeez. This is heavy stuff. Oh, you mean the mobs? Yeah, Springfield goes to mobs a lot, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So, uh, on this day uh, uh, in the world, uh, back in, you know, 1990, uh, Nicaragua held its first free election since the, uh, I believe it was called the uh, uh, San, uh, Sandistra Party took control after overthrowing Anastasio Somoza de Bale in 1979. Uh, during this time, the U.S. was funding anti-government Contras, and it put an embargo on the country, and only by having a free election was America going to say they would stop all that. And America was perfectly fine with their funding of the Contras. Oh, it's no big deal. I, Contra's a great game. That is true. We got Contra out of it. So, I mean, <laughs> life is good because of that. So, so Sean, I, I feel like I'm always bringing the bad news to the table. What do you have as far as good news? So, as our listeners may have heard in earlier episodes, I'm not a big fan of Die Hard 2. I think it is the worst of the Die Hard sequels. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because it wasn't directed by John McTiernan. Okay. who did the first Die Hard, did Die Hard with a Vengeance. He's an action movie director who was at the peak of his game. Okay. What he decided to do instead of Die Hard 2 right at this time uh -huh. was the movie version of The Hunt for Red October. <laughs> oh, man. Which that guy opened up on March 2nd, 1990. I kind of like the book. It's it's okay. It's, yeah, it's all right. Tom, you know, Tom Clancy's first book. That's all right. It's got Sean Connery in it, though. That's pretty cool. I mean, I was named after Sean Connery. I got to be excited every time he's in something. Were you? Yeah. Also, Sean Lennon. It's kind of the only thing my parents could agree on. Hmm, go figure. Uh, coincidentally, uh, one of the uh, uh, when I had recently done an episode of, well, maybe not so recently now that this is uh, being recorded uh, or airing. Uh, I did an episode of the Last Action Podcast where I covered Gold uh, Goldfinger, and uh, one of our fans uh, uh, in the Discord, one of our patrons, uh, the uh, the Flack Attack, uh, his first name is Sean, and he had said that he was named after Sean Connery as well. So I wonder how many people in our sort of age range 
were totally named after Sean Connery. James Bond's the coolest. Let's let's be honest for a second. Yeah, he's pretty great. He's 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 pretty great. There's there's no two ways about that. I. Uh, Oh, and also for the record, uh, I feel like I'm going to come off as a total jerk. When I said that I'm always bringing the bad news, I meant the heavy news. A free election for Nicaragua is not bad news. (laughs) No, it's not bad news. (laughs) It is not. You know what? For all our listeners in Nicaragua, there is nothing bad about you having a free election. In fact, that's awesome news. It is great news. Maybe, Maybe I'm not bringing bad news i'm just bringing heavier stuff you bring the serious stuff and i bring the more fun stuff that's just the way it goes with the news (sighs) they came off totally wrong as soon as i said it i was like oh no (laughs) craig hates free elections spread the word through the discord everybody craig hates free elections craig hates liberty he he demands tyranny which okay actually that's maybe a little bit more on point but i let's get into the episode so i it immediately starts off with with Bart holding the statue's head, and he's heading around the corner with Homer. And Homer's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. You know, things happen." But Homer says a particular line that really caught me off guard. One other weird thing before it starts with that, they say the title of the episode. It's written in text on the screen. It says the Telltale Head. It only happens a few other times in throughout the series. It happens when Bart gets hit by a car, which is a gag we'll get into later. Sure, and I. Uh, Oh, what's the other one? I uh, Bart gets hit by a car, and there's... I feel like another. That's the only one that I can think of right now. Yeah, maybe. But it's weird. It stands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It, it definitely does. And so, Homer, though, says a line that is real, real weird. It's very dated by 1990s standard, and it's said twice in the episode. It is, and it's the same line, repeated. Homer says that he pulled a few boners in his day. Which, if anybody doesn't know, a boner is a prank. Homer pulled a few boners. Just no big deal pulling on some boners. It's what Homer did. Listen, son, you gotta pull some of those boners, you know? You know what? Uh, uh, sometimes you gotta pull a boner. It's how you, you get know popular what? with bullies, kids. You pull the boners. Y- you know what? If you pull a boner on a bully... They're going to respect you a lot more. This podcast just crashed and burned already. <laughs> right in the beginning of the episode. Just right there. It's gone. <laughs> it's in fire. So, so yeah. So, was this like... Do you think, Sean, that this was something where the writers themselves were like, okay, this is the lingo I know, so this is what I'm going with? Or do you think that they were just like, hey, this is a funny thing to say. Let's put this in because we can get away with it. You know, it might have been, let's try and get away with it and see what we can get away with. And it slipped in. But it could just be somebody in the writer's room. Their parents said that to them when they were growing up. They did a prank and they remembered it. So they're like, oh, I'm going to put this in here because it's a reference to myself. So what you're saying is is one of the writers was thinking of their parents and they slipped a boner in. Yeah, one of the writers was thinking of their parents when they were pulling boners and that's where we got set up. (laughs) To to all of our listeners, I'm sorry on this one. I'm not sorry. So... The, the the episode starts. Homer's going around the corner. He's p- played pranks, quote unquote, with uh, uh, you know, when he was a kid, and and he he says like, oh, you'll find that you know, I think people can be pretty reasonable. And then there's a lynch mob. There's a lynch mob, and if you look at the mob, there's a couple interesting people in that mob. Let's hear it, Sean. So Grandpa Simpson is there, and uh-huh. Patty and Soma are there, which I think is weird that his relatives are there, ready to kill him. Well. It doesn't surprise me that uh, Patty and Selma are willing to kill Homer, but a little weird that both them and uh, Grandpa Simpson are willing to kill Bart. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. Mm-hmm. There's also Krusty the Clown in the crowd, Reverend Lovejoy. Yep. 
Smithers and Burns? Yeah, Smithers and Burns. That's a weird one. Burns really seems to care about Jebediah Springfield in this episode. Well, Burns is really old. Maybe he remembers him. All right, fair enough. That actually could very well be Maybe the case. Maybe that was one of his friends growing up who died fighting a bear <laughs> with his bare hands. <laughs> because he didn't make friends with it like Maggie did. Uh, he did, Yeah. He just did not have Maggie's uh, uh, animal rearing capabilities. Remember, kids, if you see a bear in the woods, make friends with it. It'll work out great. It totally works out great. So they chase Homer and Bart to the statue, and Homer says, "Uh, give me the head. I'm going to go ahead and... I'm gonna go ahead and uh, uh, you know take the fall for this one. And Bart's like, no, no, this was my fault. I can't leave you here to die. And Homer says, all right, well, we'll die together, son. Which is kind of touching, but a little on the dark side. And so Bart climbs up the statue and he demands to explain himself to the crowd. And there's a really uh, kind of meta joke, and it might be about the first meta joke we've caught so far. It's one of my favorite jokes from this episode it's it's stupid but it's very meta when one of the people in the crowd i think it's crusty the clown is like how long is this story gonna take bart says about 23 minutes and he like says the seconds he says 23 minutes five seconds and five seconds which is the episode length correct yeah that's the average runtime of an episode yeah so i he then starts going into his uh uh his story about how we got to this point and i Let's see, he, it's uh, uh, them getting ready for church, right? It's them getting ready for church, and Homer doesn't want to go to church. Homer's really into the football game, so much so that he's standing on the couch cheering for it. Yeah, we'll, we'll find that as the series goes on. Homer does not really enjoy going to church. No, he kind of hates going to church, and he loves football and gambling. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, the church isn't really all for. Well, Which, who I doesn't guess... love gambling? I love gambling. Uh, I mean... It's not, you know, I mean, it's a bit of a sin, right? I am not the person to ask about that. <laughs> well, I I was asking because I don't know. Uh, so Homer, yeah, he, he doesn't want to go. Uh, Bart gets frisked, which I think is kind of a, a funny thing is like Marge demands he assume the position and he puts his arms out and his legs out, spreads them. And Marge finds, uh, I think it's like a set of dice. A set of dice. A, a slingshot. slingshot which, why comic does, book. Why does Bart have dice? Like, is he just shooting dice in the alley behind the church gambling? I mean, I would presume so. I think that's what the two dice are signifying. I can't imagine he's playing Dungeons and Dragons with just two d six. He's not going to be able to do anything with just two d six. He's got a terrible Warhammer army that he plays with behind. <laughs> Maybe him. that's the issue. Is he just has a really crummy Warhammer army composed of like troll dolls or something? Oh, that's really sad. I kind of wish Bart had a better army. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we can't all have an ogre, uh, uh, an ogre kingdom's army. Or if you're into, you know, 40K, I don't know, uh, uh, robot Viking army, whatever they are. I'm personal with Skaven, personally. <laughs> I like Ratman. <laughs> what can I say? You don't say, Sean. You're into Ratman. Yeah, the Weasley one of the group likes the Ratman. <laughs> yeah, go figure. Uh, so uh, another kind of thing that's interesting is, okay, so, so he fits the dice in his pockets. The slingshot doesn't seem like it would fit. The comic certainly doesn't fit. As a comic fan, that hurts me to see a comic book rolled up, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> just totally eats away at your soul. I just watch, watch it. I'm like, oh, oh, put it in the bag. <laughs> protect it, even if it's crap. <laughs> so, even if it's a bad comic, protect it. So uh, 
Bart, uh, uh, you know, gets his stuff taken, except for apparently a Walkman, which he starts listening to. And Homer turns on his, the the game as they drive to the to church, and uh, uh, Marge is harping on the fact that, like, you know, like, well, maybe Bart wouldn't have so many issues if you didn't, you know, like, or you actually paid attention to church, things like that. I like this scene because it's kind of a scene that tells the naysayers of the Simpsons back in the early '90s when it was too edgy. Mm-hmm that, hey, this is a family that regularly goes to church. This is actually the first animated family on a non-religious show that regularly went to church. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I can't think of any others. The Flintstones certainly didn't go to church. Uh, the Jetsons certainly didn't go to church. Uh, you know, there it wasn't really a thing. Davy and Goliath went to church, but that was a religious cartoon. Right, this yeah. This the first non-religious cartoon that they actually went to church. I don't know, Davy. <laughs> <laughs> I love Davy and Goliath. I really do. Oh yeah, so you watched that as a kid, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. I have the DVD box set at home. <laughs> Is it any good? Does it hold up? Question mark. I've never even seen an episode. I just know that the dog is always just like, I don't know, Davy. It, it doesn't hold up. It uh, doesn't. But it, but it was fun. It, it's oh, okay. cute and lighthearted. But the family goes to church. So yeah, for yeah. every naysayer, this is actually kind of a positive beacon. Now I'm not a big going to church guy i'll be honest on that one sure but it's a family that goes to church that's a positive thing that you could say like oh at least they go to church yeah i think that uh uh, to the mainstream audience knowing that the simpsons went to church probably made them seem more of a cliche typical white christian family and you know middle class you know they they it sort of probably spoke to a lot of people i think i mean if you replace football with video games homer has my ideal Sunday where I'm like, I want to skip church and, you know, sit around in my underwear playing video games and <laughs> swearing in the shower. That's what I want to do. Yeah, pretty much. That's, you know, that's the, sort of the dream, dream there, right? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting that they go to church and the kids get separated and go to, to Sunday school. Oh, and uh, as a as an aside, I did think it was kind of funny that uh, Homer, in front of the church, uh, the... Uh, uh, one of the uh, the anchor, new, or the sports anchors is like, this is the greatest comeback since Lazarus. And Homer's like, Laza who? And they're outside of church. Which is a great line. <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, the uh, So yeah, they get separated and they go to Sunday school. Uh, while Homer uh, is doing his own thing, of course, because he gets a hold of the Walkman. But we'll get to that in a second because uh, uh, Bart and Lisa are in Sunday school. And along with, I think it's Millhouse and... Uh, was it Janie? There's another couple of kids in there. There's another couple of kids. I didn't really pay much attention to them. Yeah, I was I more focused either. on the Sunday school teacher, in all honesty. <laughs> she's so exasperated. I hate the Sunday school teacher. Yeah, she's really, really annoyed by all the questions. And even at the end, of as Sunday school ends and the kids run out, she asks them and practically begs them, isn't a little blind faith, or is blind faith a little too much to ask? See, I hate the Sunday school teacher because they're asking her, did my doggy go to heaven? Did my kitty go to heaven? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, don't tell a kid your pet that you loved is not in heaven. That is a bitch move. She's a bitch, and I hate her for that. (laughs) Like, if somebody told my kid, my kid's like, oh, my dog's in heaven. They're like, no, it's not. Dogs don't go to heaven. Go to hell. I saw all dogs go to heaven. (laughs) They all go to heaven. It's great. 
I, I think all cats go to hell is the moral of that. I don't know. Oh, that's where I'm heading then. Oh, so many cats. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it, she's she's kind of crummy. And I think that I, I uh, maybe this was a little bit of a commentary on, you know, the... the yeah, I don't even know if it was so much of a commentary on on like Sunday school so much as it was just sort of like maybe blind faith, you know, as she even mentions. Uh, but I, uh, it just rubbed me the wrong way. It really rubs me the wrong way to tell a kid something that like brings them down. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's like telling a kid on Christmas who's super excited. Oh, by the way, there's no Santa Claus. It's like <laughs> that. That's mean, man. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, so at this point. I'd also like to point out that Bart has not been kicked out of Sunday school because in later seasons, we'll find that Bart has been booted out of Sunday school. Well, that teacher didn't want to deal with any of Bart's stupid questions, which aren't that stupid in all honesty. He's just got some questions about his faith that she could be answering a little better. (laughs) For the last time, Bart, yes, the leg will be waiting for him in heaven. (laughs) I love that line. Uh, I also really love the gag while Homer is listening to the sports game on the Walkman. This is my favorite gag of the entire episode. Visually, it is set up very well. It really is. Homer puts on the Walkman and he's listening to the game. And then the sports anchor is is, babbling about what's going on in the game. And the whole time, Reverend Lovejoy's mouth movements are syncing up with the sports anchors it's so good we have no other audio than homer hearing this game broadcast and homer's getting really excited because his team is winning he's gonna win 50 bucks on this bet that he made i yeah i just love the fact that it's like you know it's reverend lovejoy talking but it's not reverend lovejoy's voice it's the the voice of this anchor or whatever and he's like and of course this game's brought to you by dove like they can't get enough of that crisp clean taste of dove and he's like and it's good and like the when the reverend raises his arms up in the air is when he yells it's good and homer freaks out in the middle of church and he's like yes it's so it's good it's good he's like it's good to see you all oh, in church. church. And Marge, of course, gets mad at him. But it looks like Homer's paying attention and cares. I love it. Uh-huh, yeah, it was kind of a funny uh, a funny part of the episode. I, I really like that. So I, I, you know, they're they're driving back from church, and, and Marge is not thrilled with the family, least of all Homer. And she's harping on him, you know, and uh, uh, Bart sees that the uh space mutants for the trilogy continues which is a great subtitle uh is playing and he really wants to go see it i love that marge asks what they learned in sunday school today oh yeah and lisa says the answers to deep theological questions (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's so good yeah i really like that part uh so you know bart wants to see this movie marge is like no 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 like this you know you shouldn't be watching this movie and uh, uh, when they get home, Bart asks Homer if he can borrow five bucks to, you know, go out. And Homer's like, you know, totally sees through him. And he's like, oh, are you going to see this movie or whatever? And Bart's like, uh, and he's like, ah, go ahead and get out of here. Which is a great scene. Homer's kind of bonding with Bart. And sure. I, enabling Bart. Enabling a bit, which isn't great. But at the same time, I mean, it's sort of like a, a more a more of a bonding moment between them, which is nice. And after this, we get a great shot of Bart. He goes upstairs, goes to his room, and he starts stripping as he's going into his room. Mm -hmm. And he gets naked, and he switches into his regular clothes, grabs his skateboard, grabs a rope, swings out of his room into the street. 
the shot itself is really cool. Like the way they progress through what he's doing and he jumps out the window and stuff. But it's really dangerous to swing out on a skateboard, but it's awesome. It is awesome. I always wanted to do it as a kid. <laughs> you would totally die. Oh yeah, I would have broke my neck and died. Oh, absolutely. But there is something else of note in this scene that I'm not sure if you caught, Sean. What's that? Well, when Bart changes out of his Sunday school clothes and into his shorts and t-shirt, he does not have on at that time, nor does he put on any underwear. Nothing like an unfurnished basement for pure comfort, Sean. He goes commando. Bart just wants to go on an adventure. That's all it is. He, he, listen, uh, Bart knows that you, you need to be, uh, uh, things need to be open and free. You can't be confined all the time. That's weird, right? A little bit. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> he, he, I guess I'm not checking out naked boys as well as you are, Craig. You're not. I'm a champion at it. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, it's just weird to me because he takes off his pants, shirt shorts or whatever they are, and he's just, he's, he's just, it's his butt. There's no underwear. Yeah, that's a little weird. And then when he puts on shorts, he just puts on the shorts. He does not seem to put on any underwear. And maybe they just cut that scene out. Who knows? Or, or just forgot to animate it or something. But, uh, uh, you know, to, to me, it seems like he goes commando. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bart starts heading to the movie theater at this point. And uh, he he gets to the theater. And uh, I think it's like uh, uh, one, of them, one of the bullies. Jimbo uh, Jones is the first one he sees. Yeah, Jimbo Jones. There's also uh, Kearney. And then you eventually see Dolph. Uh, in this episode. Although they don't name Dolph or Kearney? I don't believe so. I think only Jimbo gets his name in this yeah, episode. Yeah, Jimbo gets a name uh, here. And uh, he bumps into, Bart bumps into a pole when he turns to hear who's like calling out to him. And uh, uh, Bart uh, gets up and like, you know, the kid, you know, one of the kids, or Bart says, oh, it didn't hurt to defend himself. And one of the kids are like, yeah, right. Why don't you try it again? And Bart says, oh, I wouldn't want to hit the pole too many times or else I'll start looking like you, which is, that's some serious shade that he's throwing around. Bart's witty. I I stand by it. Bart is a witty dude. Totally throws some shade. Kearney's about to beat the tar out of him. And Kearney's like in his 20s and gotten (laughs) held back so many times. The kid's huge. And, And Jimbo stops him and he says, I like the kid. He's witty. Also, Jimbo Jones being the main bully of this, Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Because he's got a very 80s, 90s kind of like slacker look to him. Mm -hmm. He's got the long hair. He's got the knit cap. Yeah. He kind of looks like he would hang out with, uh, if you remember Salute Your Shorts on Nickelodeon, (laughs) he would hang out with Bud Nick, (laughs) who was also in Terminator 2 with John Connor. Do you think they would also... Wait, who did he hang out with? He hung out with... uh, who was it? And was it John Connor who he was hanging out with in Terminator Two? Oh, um, uh, they'll have to uh, talk about that on uh, Last Action Podcast. Uh, our listeners should check that out. Uh, LPJ and Sphinx uh, talk about old action movies, and uh, hmm, yeah, I, I didn't realize that uh, uh, Budnick was in Terminator. Yeah, he's got like a brief part in the second one crazy oh terminator 2 specifically terminator 2 terminator 2 okay but yeah they they just have this very 80s 90s slacker kind of look to them it's also weird to me because i i bart you know is it starts like looking up to jimbo jones in this episode but in later episodes he has a flashback where jimbo jones picked on him when he was even younger younger than this moment so it's a little weird to me that he suddenly thinks jimbo jones is cool when jimbo jones picked on him when he was younger and 
bullies are cool, dude. I don't know what to say. Uh, it didn't help me much when I was a bully when I was growing up. Well, you weren't as charismatic as Jimbo Jones. Uh, I, yeah, all right, fair enough. That might be true. Maybe you should stole more stuff and it would have been cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they're pretty rotten in this episode. So, uh, so you're right. Yeah, they, they, uh, they go to see the movie. They sneak in. They don't pay for it. And when they sneak in, we see a shot that there's a line of people waiting to get in this theater. Uh-huh. It's wrapped around the block. I don't think it's to see this movie, though. I don't think so either, because they get in there, and there's no one in Space Mutants 4 except for a couple other people. It's super empty. Super empty. Which might just be they were too lazy to animate another crowd, because they had a big crowd scene at the beginning and end of this episode. Yeah, that's true. That might very well be the case. Uh, but it's also weird to me. Like, I feel like... <sighs> Are, is, is, you know, is the, 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 I don't even know what you would call them, the, the security, so to speak, of a movie theater, the, what would you call the person who... The usher. The usher, yeah, so the ushers. Are the ushers really going to be paying that much attention to who's in a theater that's empty? They don't give a damn. I used to sneak into movies all the time. <laughs> in fact, when uh, Rugrats, the first movie, came out, it, uh-huh. it was one of the first movies that had the Phantom Menace trailer attached to it. Uh-huh. And I remember sneaking into multiple m- movie showings so I could see that trailer multiple times and not pay for it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just to see the trailer. That's not so bad. I mean, you stay for the movie. You're already there. <laughs> all right, never mind. I, I, I used to sneak corrected. into movies all the time as a kid. And they don't care. They don't care. I, I, I pay for so. one. You'd see like three of them. That's how I've seen so many movies in my lifetime. This is, oh, that's you how. Make, you make a day out of it. You pay for oh, one, you see the rest. I had no idea that's how you do it. I, I've been doing it wrong all this time. Yeah, only suckers pay full price for movies. <laughs> Touche. Touche. So uh, after that, they go to the Quickie Mart. And I think this is one of the first times we see Apu, right? Yes, this is. I I really... It's- I feel like there's going to be a lot to talk about Apu throughout the series. Uh, there have been more recent controversies involving uh, the character of Apu. And uh, in this episode, though, he is very much a cliche. I think we can agree that he is just oh. a super stereotype. He is completely a cliche stereotype in this part. He's not a developed character at all. No, no, he is not. He he is a shop clerk working at a convenience store who yells at kids not to steal. He turns his back and they steal. But I like this scene. Because Bart's kind of naive about this. He, he wants to be friends with these bullies. He, he thinks they're cool. He thinks they're cool. He wants to hang out with them. And earlier in the episode, when Homer gives him money, Bart's like, oh, I want to go, you know, go in there and you know, see the movie. And Homer says, share the wealth. That's my motto. So mm-hmm. Bart, taking after his dad, buys squishies for all his friends. Yep, yep. And they take that opportunity to start ransacking the store. And Bart says, share the wealth. That's, That's my right. motto. And and it's, it is. It's a charming moment where you, you sort of see that Bart does, to some extent, look up to his dad. It, it's a nice scene. And also, five bucks buys four large squishies back then. Wow. Yeah, because uh, what, what is a large, uh, uh, what, what do they call the 7-Eleven? Uh, uh, a large Slurpee is Slurpee, Slurpee. one seventy nine. Okay, so pert near two bucks. That's... Not gonna get you four large uh, squishies, is it? No, it is not. And they were like four fifty six. Hmm. Man, I wish the money weren't like it did in the nineties. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I could get so many more Slurpees. I. Uh, I'd be the king of Slurpees. <laughs> the Slurpee king. I. Uh, so. 
<laughs> so Bart goes out, gives the the drinks to the the bullies, and Bart's like, "Oh, guys, like, where did you get this stuff?" And they, uh, I think, is it Dolph who says it's five finger discount, or is it Kearney? It's Dolph who says it. And they're sitting on the back of a car. It's not their car. It's not their car because none of them drive. So they're sitting on some random person's car, probably a Pooh's car. Yeah, you know, I mean, the odds are. And they're reading a play dude, eating jerky and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, kind of a, a weird moment. And it's also weird that later on when uh, another bully character steals, they refer to it as a four-finger discount because the Simpsons all have four fingers. But... In this episode, they just call it a five-finger discount. I wonder if they recorded that before they had the animation style down locked. That could be. Or it's just a slip of the tongue. They didn't think of it because they weren't like, oh, we have to be super meticulous about this so nerds don't nitpick us on a podcast. <laughs> All those Damn those nerds and their podcasts years from now picking apart every tiny discrepancy in our series. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, what we do doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't at all. Anyway, uh, so I, uh, they end up like laying around in the grass. Kind of weird, but whatever. Fair enough. And uh, they start looking up at the clouds. And, uh, uh, you know, one of them's like, oh, it looks like stuff. And the other's like, no, it doesn't. And they're like, no, really, it does. That looks like a cherry bomb. That looks like a dude who's been stabbed in the back. And that one looks like a bus full of children on fire going over a cliff. <laughs> yeah, it's a little messed up, but whatever. Uh, and that's that- not what you see when you see clouds? No. Oh, I see dark things when I look at clouds. You shouldn't be looking at the skies. You should be looking at your feet. That's what you should be looking at. Try not to. (laughs) Creep. Anyway, uh, so Bart then sees Jebediah. Oh, no, that's right. Uh, Before this, they threw rocks at Jebediah, the statue of Jebediah Springfield. And Bart's like, oh, guys, this is, you know, our town founder. And they're like, yeah, so. And he's like, so watch me hit him between the eyes. And he hits, throws one out, and an ice cream store clerk comes out and scares, well, not really scares the kids off. They just wander off laughing at him. Who has that much pride about their town that they're like, hey, don't you go throw rocks at that statue, kid. Well, we're going to learn a whole lot of people do because uh, the whole town is furious over what happens in the future here. Have you ever had that much pride about somewhere that I lived? No, never. No, me either. No. I've never been like, man, I hope people don't mess with my town. Yeah, never once in my life. Although I will say there is a certain amount of pride, and I think anybody, because we, we live in the Detroit area, Sean and I, there is a certain amount of pride in Detroit, I think, and I, I think that a lot of people do have that pride in the main city we're around, but, like, maybe not to that extent. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Let's let's go down to Detroit and start throwing stuff at statues and see what happens. Let's throw a rock in the spirit of Detroit and see how bad we get beat up. Or how arrested we get, one or the other. I uh, probably arrested first, honestly. But anyway, I uh, so I uh, uh, they're laying around in the field. Bart sees the statue and he's like, "Yeah, but it doesn't have a head." And in this cloudy version, and they're like, "Oh man, I'd really love if somebody cut the head off that statue." And Bart's like, "Well, guys, like that is our town foundry. Like killed a bear with like his bare hands, and he did all this cool stuff." And it's real weird. The they they kind of get like homophobic. They're like, oh, well, you know, if you love, like, you love the town founder so much, like, moo, 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 like, making He's your the- boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, they get, like, really weirdly homophobic. And uh, uh, and I, I think that's sort of telling of the that era where, like, homophobia was a lot more accepted, you know? 
it's not great by any stretch of the imagination, but back then I feel like, you know... I feel like it wasn't as progressive, although we'll touch on this a little bit later, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. There'll be later episodes where we get a little bit more in-depth on that. But, but, I mean, that is kind of a a juvenile, uh, you know... A, typically a juvenile chi- uh, boys sort of like go to is like gay jokes when they're younger you know I, I don't know if that's still the case but that was sort of like what everyone's fallback was back in like early middle school days you know uh, when we were younger and uh, so as far as that goes uh, Bart goes home and he's a little despondent because he, he wants to be cool he wants to be liked by these guys he wants to be popular sure sure and he asks Homer what the like you know if it's import if if it's okay to do things that are sometimes not great to be popular and Homer tells Bart valuable life lessons mm-hmm. being popular is the most important thing in the world so do you know listeners know what that means it means we need to be popular so tell all of your friends to listen to our show it is right the, now it is the most important thing so. Uh, Bart takes that to heart. He does. He listens to his father's advice. So, Bart uh, wakes up in the middle of the night, like around, I don't remember, did you, did you catch what time he stops the clock? I didn't catch what time it was, but it's it's the middle of the night. It's yeah. dark out. So, he, he stops the clock real quick. We had a third wardrobe change for Bart in this episode. Oh, yeah, we do, because he's wearing all black with a mask, isn't he? Yeah, he's got a ninja outfit. He does. And so Bart, like, goes into his parents' room, sees that they're sleeping, closes the door, skulks through the house, steps on the cat's tail, it goes to scream, he catches its mouth and lets it outside so it won't make noise, creeps out himself, and then he makes his way to the statue. And there's a a particular point here that's kind of interesting, because I I love pointing out uh, when there's, like, weird animation errors. And uh, when Bart holds up the saw... It vanishes completely. There's a moment where just there's no more animation. It vanishes, and then suddenly he's climbing up the statue. And I don't know if they did that on purpose to give the illusion that he's like a ninja and he's real quick, or they didn't animate the transition between him moving with the saw towards the statue. Probably the transition. Yeah. But this is the most iconic moment right here. Bart Mm -hmm. cuts the head of the statue off. Yep. And what is that statue made of that he can cut through it? Or is that just the greatest saw in the world? I've never tried to take down a statue, but I assume they're stronger than a saw blade. I mean, I guess it depends on what the saw's made of, yeah. I uh, I, I, mean, you know, like, I, to the best of my knowledge, you know, if you're making a statue to sit in town square for potentially ever, it's going to have to be made of something pretty, pretty tough, Yeah, right? probably bronze. I would imagine... So Bart has, what, a vibranium vorpal saw that he cuts through this thing? Because he does it very quickly. He, uh, it's, it's, you're right, it's vorpal. He got a, a natural 20 and just lobbed it right off. Yeah, it's, it's a strange thing to think about. And yeah. And I'm nitpicking a little too much, but I don't care. <laughs> it's weird. I kind of want to go and attempt to saw off a statue's head and see what happens. I mean, so long as it's at night and no one catches you, I think you'll be okay. As long as I got that ninja costume, I'm perfectly fine. It Absolutely. Stealth. It, it does. It gives you a lot of bonuses to stealth. So many points in stealth. Uh, so uh, he cuts the statue's head off and immediately regrets it. He's like, what have I done? And we cut to black. That's the commercial break. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, uh, later on, you know, or, or the next scene, I should say, after the commercial break or whatever, uh, Bart has a giant backpack, and it's just has this the head of his statue in there. Yeah, for whatever reason, Bart's carrying it around with him. He didn't 
leave it in he didn't hide it also the family like it, like looks at him a little weird but like they don't say anything and it's and it's great because like you would think that one of them would piece together oh the town statue's head's been cut off bart's got a giant backpack with something really heavy in it bart's just carrying around like it's no problem i don't think they know it's not that heavy of a statue it's obviously made out of something crappy or he's super strong this is a 10 year old boy carrying a statue's head and he's carrying it like it's no problem i would struggle with that (laughs) as an adult yeah that's probably true i I, maybe that maybe it wasn't a very special saw maybe it was just something very weak it's made of like paper mache the town statues made of paper mache we all gotta worship that one (laughs) so i the i i i so bart you know is is got this head in his backpack and uh uh, it, what, what's sort of funny is uh, uh, when Bart's like, oh, like, you know, it's just a statue. And uh, Homer, like, freaks out. He's like, is the Statue of Liberty just a statue? Is the Leaning Tower of Pizza just a statue? And uh, another thing of note is that uh, uh, when Homer's looking at, like, bowling balls in this, like, magazine, uh, he, uh, uh, he, it's like he has this like bowling ball, and it's like he's like sends the pin straight to Valhalla, Lisa, and he looks up, and Lisa's like Valhalla is the like eternal resting place of Vikings, and Homer's like wow, and he it requires Lisa explaining what Valhalla is. I thought that was pretty great. I like that gag. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. But we get a scene where it basically shows how the town reacts to the statue's head being cut off. They are so, so into the statue. We see Wiggum, who gives a police speech about that they have no suspects. They're looking for it. He pleads for somebody to come forward. And Wiggum has black hair at this time. In the early episodes, he has black hair. Oh, yeah, Doesn't he does. Doesn't switch to blue till later on. You're right. We get to see the weirdest joke in the episode to me uh-huh. is it cuts to Moe's Tavern. And they're all depressed, and they're uh-huh. trying to get over this. Uh-huh. And Barney asks for a beer from Mo, uh-huh. and he wants some head on it, <laughs> which is an obvious joke to set up the scene uh-huh. to get them all depressed. But who goes to a bar and says, you know, I want a nice hefty head on that beer? Nobody. Nobody does. Nobody asks for that. It's it's obviously a, a, a funny joke because it makes Mo start to cry because he requests for a beer with some head on it. But uh, it's a little weird. I feel like he could have just very, it very easily could have been altered to just say, make sure there's no head on that beer, and it would have just flowed a lot better and made more sense that Mo would start crying. Yeah, it would have been a little better setup. Yeah, I feel like they could have worked on that a little better. And then we see Krusty (laughs) with the first appearance of Sideshow Bob, who looks very weird in this. He has an afro instead of the giant, like curly, messy hair that he has. And Krusty tells the kids, if they know who did it, you tell. Even if it's, uh, they, he says uh, something about, uh, along the fact of, like, even if it's your mommy, your daddy, your brother, or your sister, like, you need to come forward and tell. So Krusty is really, really into Jebediah Springfield. Never would have guessed it from Krusty. No. Nor Mr. Burns, who's in front of the statue when Bart goes by and... Like, Burns is just distraught, and I think you're right. I think he must have known Jebediah Springfield. He probably knew Jebediah. That's his friend's statue that got taken down. You know, that could only be it. That's got to be it. I would be bummed out if my friend's statue got taken down. So if my statue gets taken down, you're going to, like, my head gets cut off on my statue, you'll be pretty upset? Oh, yeah, I'd be bummed out. Oh, thank you. You earned that statue through (laughs) your dark hearts. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're not wrong. So uh, Bart goes to like to the bullies, Jimbo, uh, Kearney, and uh, Dolph, and he's about to brag about how he's you know got the stat, the head of the statue, about to be the coolest kid in school. When they're like, yeah, I wish the guy who cut it off was here so we could beat the tar out of him. And Bart zips back up the backpack and he's like, what? What about everything you just talked about? And they're like, oh, that was just cloud talk, man. (laughs) Yeah, it was in the moment. And Bart realizes, oh, God, I didn't like I don't even get the benefit of getting the popularity from this heinous thing I did. Oh, yeah. Bart is totally in the wrong for everything. Absolutely. Yeah, he is. And, and at this point, he's starting to realize, oh, I don't even get, like, a benefit out of this. What am I going to do? And the the statue's head starts, like, talking to him. Uh, hence the episode title, The Telltale Head, referencing, of course, The Telltale Heart, where uh, the main character of that story from Edgar Allan Poe hears the beating of a heart under the floorboards from the, the person he, like, you know, dug a hole for that he killed. And the, the head is just like, why, Bart? Why? Tell them, Bart. Tell them the truth. And uh, and Bart, like, won't do it. He's not willing to fess up. He attempts to bury the head in his backyard. Uh-huh. Yep. He goes to bury the head in the backyard, and the, the head of Jebediah Springfield pleads with him, and he's like, well, son, he's like, I understand, but give it some thought. And Bart finally caves in. And uh, all the while, the Simpsons uh, inside, uh, Marge, uh, Lisa, uh, Homer and Maggie are watching TV and they're watching a special on Jebediah Springfield, which I don't think I ever caught when I was younger. And it's a dramatization about uh, Jebediah Springfield killing the bear with his bare hands. And then the narrator right at the last second is like, even though more recent evidence shows us that he likely died from the bear attack, which is a great, great scene. I feel like it, it's sort of, it's it's what the Simpsons would eventually kind of become known for. They're sort of like offhand jokes that are really, really good and really funny, but like they're they're not necessarily like set up in such a way that it's like, hey, here's the focal point. It's just this joke. Oh, I feel like if this was a later episode of Simpsons, that would have been Troy McClure. Yes, I could absolutely in, see in that. In fact, he was Jebediah Springfield in a later episode. Oh yeah, he was, wasn't he? I uh, So, I uh, uh, Bart comes clean. Marge gets mad and she's like, where did you get this idea that you should want to be popular? And Homer's like, well, maybe we shouldn't be so hard on the boy. And Marge immediately sees through him and she's like, you got to fix this. So they start taking the head back to town when they run into a lynch mob at the like, hence at the start of the episode. And it's crazy that there are that many people th- that not only love Jebediah Springfield that much, but are willing to harm the people they care about to avenge the statue of Jebediah Springfield. One of which is a small boy. Yeah. There's some pretty weird ones in the crowd. Is there something that would make you get in a crowd to harm a 10-year-old boy? No, I don't. I, I don't. I can't think of anything in the world that would make I, yeah. me like, I'm gonna beat that ten year old boy to death. <laughs> yeah, not even just beat him, beat him to death. They've got torches, pitchforks. Yeah, pitchforks and stuff. It's crazy. So the uh, uh, so as they start, like the story catches up to where we were at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, we're back to the Homer pulling boners. I. <laughs> uh, I well, there's something else about the mob I want to ask you, but I really love the fact that when they reach the point where the episode started, the crowd starts yelling at Bart to end the episode, and they're just like, you know, like, ah, oh, we heard this part already, and like start yelling. And I thought that was kind of a funny touch. I like that part. But here's a question for you, Sean, or or something I'd like you to consider. I uh, so the I uh, 
the mob had to be pre-created and formed. They were prowling the streets already with torches and pitchforks. This crowd of people was wandering around Springfield in the hopes that they might bump into somebody with the statue's head. Oh yeah, they were—they wanted blood and they were out for it. <laughs> Absolutely, it was real twisted. So, at the end of the episode, Bart, you know, asked for the, the mob's forgiveness because of his mistake and how he, you know you know was was stupid but you know it was born of his desire for people to like him and he regrets his decision or whatever and you know the crowd is like oh okay all right you know they forgive him uh and he puts the statue back on the the top of the head and uh you know homer makes some remark about how like ah normally lynch mobs aren't this you know forgiving and and wanders off we get an interesting line when he puts the statue's head back on Mm -hmm. smithers says or burn says to smithers i love you smithers and Smithers replies with, the feeling is more than mutual, sir. Which is the first reference of Smithers being gay in the series. Yeah, that's right. This is the, and I, I remember catching that and I didn't put in my notes. I, but you, you're absolutely right. Uh, Smithers says, uh, the feeling is more than mutual. I, and it's it's kind of crazy to think that even in season one, they were like, yes, Smithers is absolutely going to be into Burns. Which is cool. That set that up. And we end on a happy note. I don't know how they reattach the statue's head. It just sits on it. I'm sure that it's heavy enough that, you know, the wind can't move it or anything, which then begs the question, how did Bart carry it around? But, you know, that's neither here nor there. So, Sean, what do you consider as the lasting impact of this episode? Bart's personality. That he gets into mischief, but he doesn't mean wrong by it. Mm -hmm. This is a lasting thing that we'll see throughout the entire series. And honestly, when anybody thinks of early Simpsons, this is the episode they think of. Yeah, that's the the lasting impact is I ha- that I have is that like when you think of season one Simpsons and you're not thinking of like the Christmas special, the very first episode, I think you people most will most often think of this, the Telltale Head. It's a, a pretty traditional Simpsons episode. Bart gets into trouble. Homer has to figure out a way to get him out of it, you know, or or help him with his problems, and doesn't do the best job of it. But they get into zany mischief. Yeah, even South Park references this multiple times in its run in the simpsons did it episode they talk about oh my evil plan was professor chaos will be to cut a statue's head off simpsons did it in the family guy episode when they meet the bart simpson character he says the baddest thing he's ever done is cut the head off of a town statue like this is memorable to the creators of another show that is also memorable yeah, this, that is very true. Uh, this is this is a super memorable and very iconic episode of The Simpsons. And I think that's its lasting impact, for me at least. But I think you're right. I think that uh, uh, Bart, you really get to see kind of Bart's personality shine forth in this episode in that he is a troublemaker, but he doesn't necessarily mean to, like, do really bad things. He, he eventually... In he an has epi- a conscience. Sure. In an episode, he later talks about how he wants to be a, uh, uh, a petty thug when somebody else is trying to make him out to be a crook. <laughs> he just wants to be a petty thug that's it he doesn't want to like really hurt people he just wants to you know not do the best things which i think we all can relate to you know what at least scumbags like me yeah us us sean is the word because uh you're you're not wrong uh so uh before we uh 
part ways on this episode. I just wanted to make sure to mention that if you are looking for more content, make sure to check out GameZillaMedia.com where you can see a whole bunch of other uh, podcasts that uh, the network uh, you know, puts out there, but also that uh, GameZilla Media has its own Patreon page. If you go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media, you'll be able to uh, take a look at all the perks that we offer. Uh, so make sure to uh, check that out if you're interested in supporting this show or any of the other shows on the network. Otherwise, uh, Sean, any parting thoughts? I've got no parting thoughts on this episode. I love it, and it takes me back to my youth. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, uh, sort of a nostalgic episode because it is so sort of like, you know, classic uh, as far as Simpsons episodes go.